0: You're listening to the Vox Media Podcast Network.
1: Welcome to Between the Links. With your host,
2: Mike Heck. Thank you, Esther Lynn, and welcome to a brand new edition of Between the Links on MMAFighting.com. UFC 252 went down on Saturday night in Las Vegas, and I think it's fair to say it was met with some mixed emotions, if we're being honest. And, uh... From what I've been hearing from fans of our great sport, they left a little bit upset after Saturday night, but it is what it is. And for me, and for a show like this, it left us with a lot to talk about, a lot of topics up for debate. So that's what we are going to do on the show today. I am I am absolutely stoked for this matchup, although it's not the matchup you may have been preparing for because Jose Young's, our interim champion, is traveling today. So we brought in someone from the outside of our organization to challenge for the most coveted title in MMA media. So let's introduce these guys. First, the challenger. I am a big fan of this guy. I'll admit, I don't watch a lot of pro wrestling these days. I was a huge, huge fan from probably the late 80s through like 2002, watched occasionally for another decade or so. But now I'm basically... At best, an annual WrestleMania watcher. But if I need to get caught up on what's going on in the world of professional wrestling, I go to this guy. He is the managing editor of Fightful. He covers pro wrestling, MMA, a plethora of combat sports, making his Between the Links debut, Mr. Sean Ross Sapp. Sean, how are you? Welcome to the program, sir. I'm doing well. I wish I watched significantly less pro wrestling these days as well. But,
0: it, it, you know, I know where my bread is buttered. And... Uh, yeah. Ho- hopefully I can hang today. Hopefully I can. I mean, there's all this trash talk going on before the show. And I, I, I don't know. I'm I'm not a competitive guy. I'm just, hap- just happy to be here. <laughs> I don't believe you, but I, I, I know that you would be right in that assessment.
2: I, I know this man is up for the challenge against the reigning defending BTL champion. Welcoming back the self-proclaimed king of hot takes. He returns after a one-week hiatus due to the The weather gods wreaking havoc in his area last week from MMAFighting.com. The champ, Mr. Jed Mishu. How are you, sir?
1: Well, Mike, let's not mince words here. You want to talk about fans being unhappy or unsatisfied after 252? What about today? What about today when they look at this and they see Jose Young, who's talking all that trash about me ducking him, and he's not even going to show up. He doesn't have the minerals to step to me on my ground. He won't bring me to his show, and he won't come to me here. Now, Sean's going to, you know, all shucks, I'm just happy to be here. I know he's bringing the heat, but Jose, this one's for you. Watch what happens and never cross me again.
2: This is why I'm excited, ladies and gentlemen. So let us just get right into this thing. UFC 252 went down on Saturday night. There is a lot to talk about from that event, including Jed Michoud's favorite fighter, Stipe Miocic, defending the heavyweight title against Daniel Cormier in what was billed as DC's final fight. And we'll get into all of that stuff in a moment. But Sean, I want to start with you. You won the blind draw this week. Kind of a slight curveball to get the ball rolling before we start getting hot and heavy into some of the storylines. As we mentioned, this event left some people satisfied. Others, not so much. A lot of fans that I heard from were actually, I I could throw out the word angry with this card once it was all said and done. It carried over into Sunday and I just kept hearing about it. So let me ask you this. How would you grade UFC 252 as a whole? Uh, As a whole, do you mean the main card, the the
0: pay-per-view card, or just the show in general?
2: The show, like when when the show was over, what did you grade it? How did you feel when it was done? I definitely won't look back at it and
0: say, Oh man, that was such a fantastic show. I mean, it had had a couple good finishes. I, I like watching Dvalas Veeley fight. I think he's great. Um, I'm not going to remember this fondly because of some of the things that went into the main event and how the co-main event ended. And I'll just look at that and it'll, it'll kind of, it'll, it'll kind of taint this show for me in that regard, but it, it was hit or miss at best. And uh, as I've, pointed out time and time again like there are so many people on shows like this that probably shouldn't even be in the UFC but we've been saying that so long it's like well by this point they probably should because that's just what the UFC is
2: Jed how did you feel coming out of this event what would you give if you could give it a grade what would you have given the event as a whole
1: uh, that's a solid C I mean I get what fans are saying here you know, let's let's be honest like you can't give it an F you can't give it a D just because of the main event and what that means historically so obviously You get a little bump up but at the end of the year is anyone remembering this card i mean on paper it didn't even look like it was a great card not to mention the co-main event still don't understand why that fight was the co-main event beyond shameless push for sean o'malley when right before it Junior santos who has not been not in a main event in like a decade was just randomly fighting a three-rounder it it just wasn't a memorable card. And that's, you know, sometimes you hit, sometimes you miss. They were building this on the strength of the trilogy at the top. And that fight you know, left a lot of people with, uh, I guess, a bad taste in their mouth. So kind of the whole card mm-hmm. suffers.
2: Yeah. I mean, definitely most of the anger that people showed had to do with that main event. Part of it had to do with people wanting that storybook ending for Daniel Cormier and others were upset about the eye poke in general, but that happened in all three fights. Cormier even got a poke in before he took one of the more gnarly ones that we've seen. And it definitely played into how the fight played out. No doubt about that, but these things happen. It is what it is. Sean Wins the fight, wins via unanimous decision. He had Daniel badly hurt at one point, probably would have finished the fight had there been you know, another 30 seconds left in that second round. The fight was billed as the battle to be known as the greatest heavyweight of all time. Dana White said, no, 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 no. This is not just for greatest UFC heavyweight of all time, but this is for the greatest heavyweight in MMA history. Now that Stipe has won the trilogy, he's put Daniel Cormier behind him, is he the greatest MMA heavyweight of all time?
0: it's like one a and one B, but it's not really a high bar there. Like who else is there? Cain Velazquez who fought like three times in the last 40 years. Like he guy didn't fight. And and not only did Cain Velazquez not fight, but him just hanging around actively prevented Daniel Cormier from actually becoming the greatest heavyweight of all time because Daniel Cormier went and he hauled around at light heavyweight when he could have been wrecking everybody at heavyweight waiting on his buddy to go join WWE and screw up their booking for about a year and a half. There's Fedor when they would wheel out new Japan wrestlers and Zulazinu and people like that. Like I, I feel like I think he's beaten as many IWGP heavyweight pro wrestling champions as UFC champions at this point, except for like Kevin Randleman who was well past his prime. He fought Mark Hunt who was, well ahead of his prime, uh, Tim Sylvia, what, what are we doing here? Like it's, it's like it, it, I would, I would compare Fedor's run a lot to like when amateur or, or local promoters bring in the, the UFC veteran to lose to their local guy. It's like, okay, he beat somebody with a name over there. But it, it was a shell of that name. Are we looking at, at some of these wins that Fedor had and saying like, oh, okay, yeah, that's that's top of the game. Noguera, Krokop, sure, a couple others, sure. But I look at Stipe and I'm like, all right, Verdum, hell of a win. Dos Santos, great win finish. And Ganu, we we saw what he's he's done since he decided to put his his hand in people's faces and knocked them out again. Like he's still got that. He hasn't. Like really, really fell off from that point. I would have to say, yeah, probably. I could see the argument for Fedor. It's just not a very good one.
2: Jen Mishu, is Stepe at the top of the mountain here?
1: Hundred percent, no. Everything Sean said is wrong. I guess <laughs> I can't be more clear than this. Like greatness and goodness are are very different things, and I think that that's how people mistake this. Like if you put a prime Stepe versus a prime Fedor. I think Stipe beats him. I'm not saying that Stipe is not a better fighter than Fedor. Given time, his athletic advantages, I think he beats Fedor. I also think that fight's a lot closer than it probably should be, given the gap between their prime years. But that's not how you measure greatness. Like I think we fundamentally misunderstand how we approach this or how people do, because in part, it is largely just so subjective that greatness can mean a great many different things. But the way I like to view it is – is is you know, you're comparing different eras and you can't compare on a one-to-one basis. It's apples and oranges. And so the question isn't whether this apple is better than this orange. It's whether it's how much better is this apple than all other apples versus how much better is this orange and all the, all other oranges. And I think Fedor was by far the best heavyweight on, on the planet for seven and a half years. And Stipe, like it or not, you know, he has probably put together a better resume of wins given overall talent level, but he's been the best heavyweight for like four, except for a year of that also had Daniel Cormier holding the heavyweight title over him. Now he's twice won that rematch. Okay. Still, I, I do think that you have to consider time as well in these factors, not just, Hey, the number of wins they had, even if their wins are over cans, I'm not again, not here to say Fedor didn't beat cans. He obviously did like, time just matters. Look at Jose Aldo. Like Jose Aldo was the king of his division for like 7 years and it gave Max Holloway time to develop a style that is just anathema to Aldo. And that's like that's true championship greatness right there when for multiple years on end you're the guy everyone's coming after and so people develop their whole games around beating you. Stepe has just not hit that point. Like I I think it's in, in play. He's got more fights but he's not there. And kind of the last thing to button it up, like the pretty obvious answer here is if Stipe was the GOAT, he'd be the GOAT. Like perception is reality here. And Stipe's peers, all of that, nobody really views him in that light. They're starting to now, but no one ever speaks with them in the hallowed tones that they did of Fedor during his peak. And I think in part, that's because John Jones exists and everybody sort of thinks John Jones would kick his ass.
2: Yeah, I, I think you make a, a really interesting point, Jed, because it's almost, it is almost like unfair to compare Stipe and Fedor. Because And and if, if we're talking about the last eight to 10 years, Stipe wins this battle hands down. It's not even close. I mean, his resume is just better than Fedor's. It just is. I mean, if we're talking like Prime Fedor or like Pride Fedor compared to Stipe, I mean, it's just different times. The sport has changed drastically, different rule sets. It's like, the Jordan versus LeBron argument in the NBA because it's two different time periods. The sport is completely different. It was a little more manly when Michael Jordan was playing basketball because, you know, if LeBron drives to the basket and you wave at him friendly the wrong way without smiling, it's a freaking foul. But when Jordan used to drive to the basket back in the day against the Detroit Pistons, he would get punched in the face by Bill Laimbeer, and it wasn't even a flagrant foul. It's just two different time periods and two different things. Do you agree with that, Sean? Do you think it's almost unfair to compare these two guys?
0: Sort of, because Michael Jordan also wasn't competing against people who couldn't make a college team, at, like Zulazinu. <laughs> what, what are we doing here? Also,
1: put
0: some respect on Gan McGee's name, saying Fedor was the. The best heavyweight objectively for seven years. Put some respect on Gam McGee's name because he was about the only freak show they didn't fly over to Japan to take a December 31st loss. They were bringing in fringe middleweight contenders to Bowdog. They were like, Matt Lindland, can, can you come over here? Yeah, to, sure, do it. Hey, to be guy, fair, isn't
1: Matt Lindland better than most heavyweights nowadays? Fair, fair.
0: <laughs> that, that is fair. But there, they're like, hey, you beat Fedor via a cut, a fluke cut once, like eight years ago. Come on, get on over here. I, I could see that now. If they want to, who? Maybe, maybe they could put Miocic against Yoel. That would be comparable to the the middle the Matt Lindland
1: fight. Now, well, well, Yoel would watch. win. <laughs> Yoel would absolutely win. <laughs> Come on, Yoel's the best fighter on the planet. God. Obviously, you're new here, Sean, and don't know my love for Yoel Romero, but it's extensive.
0: Well, I'm not new to MMA, and I'm not putting it completely out of the realm of possibility that Dana White pops up and says, Yoel Romero is the next UFC heavyweight title challenger, because that's just what happens. Every year we get a Yoel title fight. but That'd be justified. But I think that you can compare apples to oranges, too. They're both fruit. You can eat them. They're both delicious. Oranges are better than apples
1: now you're talking crazy orange juice is probably superior to apple juice but apples are quite obviously better than oranges
0: do you ever get how often do you get apple candy like maybe maybe like an apple sucker or something they don't make apple starburst. maybe like some crappy novelty sour apple starburst yeah i was gonna say sour apples
1: like you know, the that. most common candy
0: oh, oh.
1: I, think I mean, we know oranges. <laughs> cherry feels like a much better candy choice. You're going with here, but like apples, you just have an infinite number of choices. Oranges, I, I, you just have Florida.
0: I can't wait for UFC to book Steve Miochich against Hiroshi Tanahashi. And the fact that you don't know that he's a former IWGP heavyweight champion, but you know that Fedor beat Yuji Nagata. That's hey, all you need to know.
1: Pro wrestling is the strongest base for MMA.
0: I won't, I won't argue that either.
1: Yeah, so all of your points are moot then because <laughs> it's the strongest base. Yeah.
2: All right, well, I mean, talking about, like, booking and what Stipe could do next, because I am excited to get your thoughts on this. Dana White stated that Francis Ngannou will be next, which he certainly deserves to be next. There's no doubt about it. Sean, let me go back to you. It's a two-horse race here. Do you believe Dana White... When he says that Francis Ngannou is next or now that a belt could be at stake to justify the bump in pay and the jump up in weight class, could we see the UFC pull the trigger on Jon Jones jumping the line and getting that shot?
0: Well, I don't believe that anything, anything that Dana White says, but yeah, I I do. It is a two horse race and selfishly. I'm like, man, Ngannou is great. Like I said, we, we see how great he is when he's like, oh, yeah. This is what happens when I throw my fists at people's faces, and don't try to become super cardio machine. But I selfishly would like to see Stepe Miocic fight somebody different, because he just fought Cormier three times in a row. And John Jones versus Stepe is a massive fight, and I like massive fights. Uh, I think John Jones beats him, to be quite honest. I think John Jones would win that one. I don't want to say like fairly easy or anything, but I think Jones wins it. And I think that if you're the UFC,
2: that's the fight you should probably make. Jed, knowing you, my bet is you're, you're, you're taking the bigger fight here. The champion versus champion swinging them quote unquote bolos that you like to see thrown in these fights. And not to mention moments ago, as we're recording Brad Okamoto from ESPN just reported that Dominic Reyes and Jan Blachowicz is going to they're going to fight each other on September 26. Fights nearly done. Stakes are being worked out. Could be an interim title fight, depending on what happens here. But what's what happens? Like there's a difference between what should happen and what will happen. What will happen?
1: First, let me just ask what is going to sound like a dirtbag hot take question, but I'm actually dead serious about. Do we know that Francis Ngannou is good? We know that he punches really hard. I actually have no concept for if he is good at fighting beyond the fact that it, he is cartoonishly powerful, apparently. Like, we just haven't, like, even his run now, it's all first round knockouts. Like, how much did we learn in the Yairzinho-Rosenstruck fight? Like, we just learned that Francis Ngannou hits really hard, which we all knew and have known for years. Um, I honestly don't have any idea if that fight goes any different because we've just seen nothing from Ngandu to tell us that he's gotten better we just kind of assume he has so i just kind of wanted to touch on that point because given all that 100% you make the John Jones fight and you book it as soon as possible like i i wrote about this today for the site you can go check it out and read it I, I mentioned this earlier. I think one of the big impediments to Stipe's case is being the baddest man in history, uh, is just that John Jones has existed his entire title reign. And there is the kind of unspoken thought that, well, if Jones wanted, he'd take Stipe's belt. And I think if he fights him and beats him, aside from massive super fight, big payday, he gets to be the guy who takes John Jones's actual O from him instead of Matt Hamill. Like, all of those aside, I think he wins that. He probably either cements himself as GOAT or gets maybe one more title defense away from it. And he now puts himself into like the overall GOAT conversation with the win over John Jones. I think 100 times out of 100, you try and make that fight if you're Stipe. But Dana White is a man who I don't agree with on a lot of things and frequently fight booking is one of them. Uh, I – firmly believe he means it when he says that Francis Ngannou is next in line. And I think unless Stipe comes to him and says, hey, come on, man, I just fought this guy. This doesn't do anything for me. Let me fight John Jones. I think they probably will go ahead and get that because they kind of just want, you know, Ngannou to have a belt and then do Ngannou Jones because that feels like a bigger fight because it probably is, um, especially if Ngannou has the belt. So I think it actually does end up being Ngannou, but it shouldn't be 100%. John Jones, go get your second strap, man.
2: I kind of wish Stevie just took the opportunity when he was asked to kind of make a choice. Like when you throw both these guys out there at a press conference and everybody's watching you, and John Jones is thrown in your direction, and just to come out and say that friendly answer that like sportsmen really like to hear. Whoever the UFC wants to give me, I'm just oh. gonna you know take my time. Whatever they want to do, I'll do. Like you're you're the heavyweight champion of the world. You just beat Daniel Cormier for the second consecutive time. You won the trilogy. It's your time. Like your time is running out too. Here, like you oh. need to go for these big opportunities.
1: Also, legitimately, like be offended because straight up, John Jones just called you a punk. He didn't say those words, but his words were, "I'm coming to win the title that Stepe obviously holds. These guys don't look that big. Stepe is too slow for me. Like that's nice, John Jones speak for. Bruh, you, you suck, and I'm about to tool you." Like, get offended. Come on, man. Like, I just want to see something from him because he should be. And this could be a great fight if he would try or care or do anything other than what he does.
0: UFC should outright ban the phrase whoever the UFC wants from from their broadcast. Also, he's never fought anybody like me. I, if the <laughs> next time I don't hear that will be oh just wonderful because, I mean – how how many interviews have I seen and heard? He's never fought anybody like me. Yeah, okay, cool. Man, what's that mean? Nothing. It, it means it means that this interview garnered zero buys. Um, uh, but yeah, here the thing about Nganu, like, we know that he's cartoonishly strong, but we also know that after Miochic and Lewis, he was like, you know what? I don't feel like hanging around for two or three. I'm just gonna hit people because that's work traditionally. And for I mean Curtis Blades when when he did that the first time and beat him up for two rounds I was like okay that's impressive because I liked Blades then what he was able to do to him last time I was like Jesus man because I think that Curtis Blades if Ngannou wasn't standing around could quite honestly be a UFC heavyweight champion
1: Curtis Blades would beat the shit out of Steve A straight yeah, up like I, he would just freaking work Steve A I agree and, and, and the that. fact that
0: Ngannou is the only roadblock there. And that roadblock has existed solely in Francis Ngannou's fist. I think that gives him a pretty good chance. It's just, I'm ready to see Stipe fight somebody new.
2: I am so happy with how that first round played out. That was probably the longest first round or longest round in the history of the show. And there was so much to unpack there. I wish I could give a point to each of these guys. Maybe I'll take the cheap way out and give them each a half a point, but I'm not going to do that. But the point for round one... It's gonna go to our champion Jed Mishu, but what a close battle! I, I just can't wait to see where this goes. We still have three regulation questions to go. And maybe a final question. Oh, this man. is exciting. Very exciting stuff. That's why I'm happy to be the host of this program. Yuji Nagata. I know that was that that was that almost brought you over the top. Very, if we very want to close.
1: stay on Stipe, I have an unlimited number of Stepe takes, and I feel like this is my wheelhouse. Like, yeah. I want to talk more about Francis Ngannou's blitz strategy because I think it's hilarious. And if you watch the Jairzinho JDS fight, that first round was them being, like, cautious. And then in round two, Jairzinho was just like, oh, I'm going to do that thing that Francis did to me and just go hit him real hard. <laughs> oh, that worked. Cool.
2: Give me one more Stipe take.
1: Uh, I think that Stipe is not only not the greatest fighter of all time, I think he is not the best heavyweight ever. I think a prime Kane or a prime DC beat the hell out of him. Uh, I think Curtis Blades beats him. I think Francis Ngannou is going to beat him in the rematch. I think John Jones definitely beats him. So, uh, not unlike Michael Bisping's title reign, I think there's a pretty decent chance that Stipe is actually like the fourth or fifth best heavyweight in the world right now. We just haven't found that out yet.
2: Wow. That was a blazing hot take. Let's head (laughs) head to to the the other half of Saturday night's title fight. Daniel Cormier heads into the fight saying, this is it. This is my last fight. Ariel asked him 500 times, are you sure? Is this really going to be the last one? He goes, no, I'm definitely not coming back. Exits the fight with the messed up buy. And it wasn't like the career ending send off that we expected to see all things considered after losing the Stipe. More on that in a moment. But Jed, let's start with you here. If this is the end for Daniel Cormier, we talked about where Stipe sits on on your list. Where is Daniel Cormier on that all-time list? Like, we'll look at it from overall perspective since he's had success and won titles in multiple divisions. Where would you put DC, like on the all-time great list? Is he top ten, top five? Where would you put him?
1: The thing is you have to consider him in the all-time kind of all-over list because his body of work in neither division, uh, light heavyweight nor heavyweight, is really good enough to qualify him as like that top, top top-tier guy. I know we wanted to talk like he was for heavyweight, but that was really more of the, well, if you beat Stipe again, we're just going to ersatz, give him all of Stipe's wins, and let's just pretend like that's cool because we want to call him the GOAT. I mean – it's hard. I, this was a rough loss for him. If he had retired after he knocked out Stepe, maybe he, you know, fights Derek Lewis and then just walks away at 40, like he had intended. I think he's a top 10 borderline top five all time guy, because I, I just think that that's kind of how it shakes out there. You get to imagine how good he is without the, Oh, you lost your last two, but with losing the last two, I, the thing no one considers when they want to do like top twenty-five fighters of all time, there are so many divisions in mixed martial arts. Like if you take the goat from every division, your your top ten's full, and you've got some overflow there as well. And so I, I don't think Cormier's full resume is better than Jose Aldo or any of that. So it's tough to know where to put him. I think he's probably a top fifteen guy, just kind of that first tier of guys after. The greatest, greatest of all times in their respective divisions, but you know, again, that list is super subjective, and you know there are only a couple of constants in it: Anderson Silva, John Jones. uh, I think Habib's getting up there, but Jose Aldo probably isn't anybody's top five, and I think he's the best fighter of all time. So it's it's sort of super up in the air. But I think you got to put Cormier outside of the top ten at this point, strictly because of the two CPA losses.
2: John Jed's putting him in the top fifteen. Fair or is this is this disrespectful in your eyes?
0: No, I think it's completely fair. I think like six to fifteen is harder to determine than one to five, like way harder. Because in my mind, there's in no particular order, there's like Jones, GSP, Aldo, Anderson Silva, and I think Mighty Mouse Johnson because of what he did to that division.
1: That's my five. And, Good choice, Sean. I like and it. And then,
0: like outside of that, you're you're talking. Couture, Henderson, Penn, if you're you're an old head that didn't mind him losing all the time, uh, Nog, Holloway, Habib. Like, what, what's Habib going to do? But right now, he's got to be in that conversation, too. Like, there are so many names that can be wedged anywhere from 6 to 15. Really, 6 to 20 because of of just people who had that steep decline, especially right after they were champions. Daniel, what what he was able to do in two divisions, not just two divisions, but he started at heavyweight, went to light heavyweight, came back to heavyweight, won the title, defended it. That was impressive, too, because it wasn't just, okay. so he had Stipe's number. Derek Lewis has has beaten some good heavyweights, and he beat him. And that run at at light heavyweight outside of of Jones was just impressive. I mean, not, not only that. Daniel Cormier has victories over two former middleweight champions in Dan Henderson and Anderson Silva, which I think, not, not to kind of poke the bear here, but I think an Anderson Silva win at UFC 200, even after all that he went through, means a little bit more than some of Fedor's wins. But like I look at this body of work and I was like, okay, a lot of these people weren't as far removed from their primes as some of the other guys that I would put around there, but I don't have him top five. I've got him quite frankly, anywhere between like seven, eight to 15. Like you could really shuffle the deck there and lay a top 15 in front of me. And I might, I probably wouldn't be mad at any way that, that, that hashed out.
2: And now the million dollar question, Sean, because DC did an interview in the back after the fight seemed to close the door on his career, but he didn't slam it shut. And he certainly didn't stick the key in the deadbolt, lock it, get in the car and ride off into the sunset. He said, essentially, if I can't fight for titles and it doesn't look like I'm going to be fighting for titles anytime soon, then I can walk away. He released a statement on Monday, again, thanking everybody, saying it's been a hell of a ride. But again, he didn't say the words, I'm done. I'm officially retired. Did we see the last of Daniel Cormier on Saturday night as a fighter?
0: I think we did, but I think he'll do some pro wrestling stuff because he's always had an interest in that. I'm most bummed we didn't get a Ryan Bader fight, quite frankly. that's that's the one that I wanted to see. I think he has done. And plus, he's so awesome as a broadcaster, like from that from that Jones OSP fight where he was able to objectively call a guy that he loathed in John Jones, I was like, man, this is one of the best best analysts, best personalities in the game and the way that he's able to present that and be entertaining. I think there's so much money f- to be made for him outside of MMA. So, yeah, I think I think he's done.
2: Chad, what do you think? Because we've, we've heard this tale. We've told this story so many times. We feel like a guy's done. They come back. Like, we didn't think we'd see GSP again. And then all these years <laughs> later, something got him back in there. And that was a chance to fight Michael Bisping for the middleweight title, which in hindsight, physically speaking to his overall, like, Physical fitness and body probably wasn't the best decision in the world. And I think the UFC would probably take that one back, considering he signed to fight Robert Whitaker had he won, and then he went away into the sunset again. And now the Habib fights out there, which could get him off the couch again. With Daniel Cormier, is it similar? Like, do you feel 100% confident that we're not going to see him fight again?
1: So, historically, Saying a fighter is going to retire and picking that is just a really bad bet. Uh, That's just not a thing that happens in MMA. But I'm pretty confident that this one's true. I I think this is the exception that proves the rule here. And it's partly because of uh, what Cormier said. He wants to fight for titles. How is he getting a title fight at this point? Uh, I mean, if Ngannou beats Stipe, maybe they would come to him and say, "Okay, well, we can't run back Curtis Blades for a third time. Uh, Who do we give this shot to? Like, okay, let's try and lure Daniel out one more go. But that would feel really cheap, and so I don't even know that that would happen. The only way, the only way I see him getting a title fight at this point is John Jones moves up. He beats Stipe, and then he calls out Cormier instead of Nganu. He says, you know what? This guy just retired, but everyone was talking all this trash. They said that at heavyweight the fight would be different. Come prove it right now. I think that's the only way you get him out. And I don't think John Jones is going to do that because I think he's going to beat Stipe and then say, all right, bring on and this is the fight I wanted. That's a very winnable fight for Jones. Also a losable fight, but I, how else does he get a title fight? He's not getting one at two Oh five. He's not getting one at heavyweight. And what Sean said about the rest of Cormier is absolutely right, man. This guy's got talent for days at anything he wants to do. He is a massive personality and, and a great analyst. He could do any number of things he could, you know, sit next to Kelly Rip on a morning show one day, like he could do anything. Uh, And so I think that he should have retired at 40. Like he set out to do that hubris brought him back. And then it brought him back one more time to try and avenge the loss. And now he's, he's going to sit at home realize, man, I should have done what I said I was going to do. And he's not coming back. He's going to go move on with his life. Uh, Because also, we just haven't talked about it much. Uh, he like ripped his corneo when Stipe yeah. poked him in the eye. So maybe he doesn't have an eyeball anymore. Maybe he's Michael Bisping out here and no one can say. And so then he's really not going to fight again. So yeah, I think he could keep fighting. Uh, I think he showed some stuff on Saturday, but I think he's done and good on him. Um, Would have been better to go out with the win, but this is a really Daniel Cormier way to retire. Like losing to somebody who is ultimately going to be viewed as better than you And having it happen in a really absurdist sort of way. That's like right up the alley of Daniel Cormier's life. So it's a fitting end, even if it's somewhat tragic.
2: So a little cheap plug here. I host a matchmaking podcast on the site with AK Lee. And we were talking about what's next for Stipe. And he feels that there's zero chance John Jones gets the heavyweight title shot. I'm actually 50-50 on it because I feel like Jones... Has a good chance of getting that fight because of the DC factor. Like Dana White, even doesn't believe that Daniel Cormier is done. Like, and like you said, Jed, if John Jones beats Stipe and becomes the heavyweight champion, that's a fight that'll get DC back. Like, we don't know how the eye is, so that's one thing we have to keep in mind. But there's a title fight. That's what he wants, and that's a fight everyone's been talking about for years now. What happens when John Jones fights Daniel Cormier at heavyweight? Is it the same fight? I do agree with both of you guys. I think DC is so much ahead of him. I don't think we have seen his per- professional greatness peak or even close to it yet, considering everything he could do outside of the octagon. So while I do think he could be done unless all these pieces fall into place, I'm not quite ready to 100% say that Saturday night was it right now. But with that said, the point is going to go to Mr. Sean Ross Sap. He has even things up. It's just He's one of those things where he got ahead of the game and Jed actually said he agreed with Sean, which yeah. doesn't happen too often on this program that Jed actually agrees with people in you such rarely a kind, a, respectful way.
1: You rarely bring opponents who have the correct takes, which are mine. So it's it's very <laughs> difficult when someone does know the objectively right answer. Well,
2: <laughs> with that being said, let's move ahead to one of Jed's favorite things that happened on Saturday night, the co-main event. <laughs> He was so excited that Sean O'Malley versus Marlon Vera was booked in that spot over Jesus
3: and, and, and
2: strike. But we all see we we all know what happened in that fight by then. Sean had an injury. He deserves a lot of credit for toughing it out. But Cheeto did what he needed to do. He finished the fight and he got a huge win. First off, Sean Ross Sapp, we'll start with you. We saw it all over social media. You know, Marlon Vera was lucky. If Sean didn't get hurt, O'Malley would have won, he would have knocked him out, blah, blah, blah. And the more we go back and we take a closer look at this fight without the gaga of freaking Joe Rogan's shock about the leg length comparisons between the two fighters or whatever they were talking about at the desk at the time.
1: Don't act like like that isn't a fun fact. Like that was legitimately interesting and everyone is trashing it. And I don't get like, how do you not think that's a weird and cool fact? It's
2: a weird and cool fact to talk about for like three seconds, not for like 55 seconds when there's a fight going on.
1: Y'all just don't know how to have fun. (laughs) (laughs)
2: <laughs> All right. Fair enough. If Rogan wants to talk about that on the Joe Rogan podcast or they do like their live watch logs, I'm cool with that. It is an interesting fact, but it kind of took away what happened in the fight because nobody saw that Marlon Vera is the one who seemingly inflicted the damage that led to the injury. And it goes down, at least in my books, as looking at it with the with a magnifying glass, so to speak, as a clean win from Marlon Vera. Is there any debate here, Sean? Can we move on with this Marlon Vera got lucky because Sean hurt himself talk? Yeah, I
0: hope so. I mean, dude lost. That was that was it. Guy lost. Guy lost. He can. Well, what's what's Kyler Phillips doing right now? Book him against him or something. Andre Ewell. Um, I'm ready to move on. I know UFC <laughs> wanted to to push him as the co-main eventer on this card and stuff, but it was very transparent from the presentation to the placement on the card to the way that the commentary played this up that they were. One, they they had high hopes for him. Obviously, it's okay to have high hopes for somebody. But they were also trying to save face for him. Guy fought three times in like five months. Maybe it was too much for him. Maybe he wasn't ready. I don't know. But I I didn't see any controversy there. I thought it was good on Marlon Vera. Cool. Why not? I mean, Marlon Vera looks great now.
2: Jed, your thoughts on this aspect before we move to the next piece of business as it relates to this fight?
1: Look, I mean, we can all be adults here. It, it's not a clean win. All wins are clean. That is a W in the book. Marlon Vera threw the attack that injured injured him. Like, that's, that's it. He gets the win, and I am not taking that away. But in the same way that Vitor versus Randy too, Vitor throws a punch that cuts open Randy on the eyelid, and the fight is stopped 20 seconds in. Clean win. We really gonna act like that's that's what we wanted out of the fight. Like that's the measure of who is better amongst these two. He threw an attack, it hurt his opponent in like a serious way, but it wasn't, you know, it wasn't like, oh, I threw a right hand and cold at him, threw a leg kick that pinched a nerve and made his foot useless. And Cheeto can say whatever he wants. I don't know if he said this. I strongly doubt that that was like a pinpoint plan to jack up his foot like it it's a thing that happens in fights so you got to take it it's a clean win in that regard but you know if if Sean O'Malley heals up again and they run it back I don't know that that fight goes the same way at all uh but I think the bigger issue isn't that I think it's those are just tragically bad booking from the UFC leaving aside the co-main event horse hockey like just Marvin Vera is a really tough out that's really dumb, and when, you, when we get to my next question, not to be clear, Marlon Vera isn't dumb. It's really dumb booking. He's a really difficult out that doesn't have a ton of name value for Sean O'Malley to uplift off of. When, we, when you get to ask me who he should fight next, he's who, sh- who he should have fought this past weekend. I have the perfect opponent for Sean O'Malley. Th-
0: those right. elbows had a little something to do with it too. It's the pro wrestling mentality. You work over the leg. And then you <laughs> knock him out with the DDT. Come on. like <laughs>
1: yeah. You they isolate put the him body out. part, then let him know. Yopo put him out, but he wouldn't have fallen over and just collapsed like a destructed building if his feet were underneath him. Yeah, like Mollinger is not going to get that chance. I think that to say that that's a all the way clean win is objectively true, but pretty obviously not not in the spirit of what we think wins and losses are.
0: Oh, maybe you, like I said, they can throw banana peels in front of you. And if you slip and can't finish the show, I'm taking the win and I'm more than happy. Would, would the viewer be satisfied? No, but I would be completely satisfied.
1: And that's what separates champions from (laughs) challengers right there.
0: (laughs) (laughs) The, Hey, is Vitor Belfort or is he not a champion?
1: Well, he was. He currently is not a champion. Okay. Was
0: was he or was he not a UFC light heavyweight champion?
1: Yeah, that's what I'm saying. On paper, the scoreboard is the scoreboard. You can't take it away. Matt Hamill has beaten John Jones. That is just a fact of life. But they're there are different quality and levels of win, and this is definitely lower on the spectrum.
0: But that was definitely a little bit different. Someone getting How? DQ'd. Scoreboard is scoreboard. <laughs> no, someone getting beaten up so badly that their opponent got DQ'd versus someone he who cheated. threw he an attack that cheater. ended the fight.
1: If he didn't want to be a, I mean John Jones threw an attack that ended the fight, he was just a dirty rotten cheater. And so <laughs> if you don't want to be DQ'd, don't be a dirty rotten cheater.
0: You know what? Vitor Belfort gets Vitor gets to hang that replica UFC belt up above his mantle all the same.
1: <laughs> he does, but does he feel it in his soul? Does he Oh, well, for sure. For sure. Did you ever
0: do a media conference <laughs> with him? He talked about Jesus for 25 minutes.
1: <laughs> it's true. Jesus is it's true. That's fair point on, on Vitor believing it, but if everyone else believes it, I, I'm not so sure.
2: Boy, I, I didn't think we'd go six minutes on this topic, <laughs> but, uh, you know- Obviously, this is a setback for O'Malley in, in multiple ways. One, the injury. We have no idea how long he's going to be out for. Ariel Helwani reported on Monday that the initial test came back okay. There was no fractures. There's going to be an MRI once the swelling goes down. But And obviously, the loss sets him back as well. But ultimately, this can be spun into a good thing because that stigma being undefeated, having all that pressure, goes away for the time being. And he can focus on getting back without all of those attachments. So Sean sort of gave his take on... You know, what could be next for Sean O'Malley? I mentioned Kyler Phillips. I don't think that'll happen because they're, they're both MMA lab guys. And Andre I Ewell. Being is, is, I know what you're saying. You're, you're, <laughs> you're thinking of level here. Yeah. But Jed, what is your take? I am excited. You set this up beautifully. You put it on a tee. What is next for Sean O'Malley when he's ready to return?
1: Look, first, just to point out, he gets the stigma of that like zero gone with an asterisk. So it's actually a super big win for O'Malley in that regard. But who he's go- who he should fight next is who he should have fought this time. And I hate to do this because I hate matching up losers on the same card it just feels like it's too much of a softball he should have fought john dodson this weekend it's a bigger name than Cheeto vera that's a guy who was in two title fights albeit at a weight class below also dodson's style matches up super well with o'malley he's a counter striker who's not really going to wrestle and he also doesn't throw a lot of volume whereas o'malley just is nothing but volume with some power behind it but it's still dangerous because dodson hits really hard and so it creates an opportunity for like O'Malley has to be on his game, but he gets to get ring time in, gets to work over a guy who's incredibly durable. He's probably not going to get a finish. So he's going to have to go 15 minutes with one of the fastest guys in the division. And if he's getting beat on the feet, then O'Malley is really in trouble because he's going to take Dodson down. No. So like, I think that was the obvious setup fight for him. And I guess they just wanted to push Marab Dalishvili as well. But I, I think that fight Goes exactly how the UFC wants it and helps develop him while still keeping him in the top of the rankings. You know, top fifteen. Dodson may fall off the rankings after that last performance. So I think that's it. It's a no brainer for me. I'd book it as soon as they're both ready to go again.
2: What's interesting is that, and I don't know if like the UFC sort of put him up to it, but O'Malley's the one who called for Vera. He wanted the fight. He thought this would be the stepping stone. The UFC is like, sure, we'll give you exactly what you want. But you know, sarcasm aside. Sean, you mentioned two names. I don't know if you clearly don't mean both of those names, but if you're the UFC here, if you're the matchmakers, whenever Sean's ready to come back, what kind of caliber of fighter, where in the division, is there a name that sticks out that he should share the octagon with next?
0: I can't pretend to get inside the head of UFC matchmakers half the time, but
2: a lot of it
0: is what they want people to perceive versus do they want him to get better versus do they want a main event? I could fully see UFC being like, ah, you know what? Well, we're booking Uriah Faber versus Sean O'Malley as the main event of like some card. And I don't know that he's winning that fight. I don't know that he's winning that fight. Uh, Would it be a hell of a main event? Yeah. And would they love to give Uriah Faber another main event? Would they love to have Sean O'Malley lose a co-main event and then say, all right, well, here's your main event now. Yeah, they do that all the time. They love doing that type of stuff. And as we'll probably talk about here in a bit, they don't mind matching up people who have just lost in TV main events either. I think that would be a good one. And if he could pull off a win there, that could kind of give some fuel to the to the hype machine of him. And you never know if he could, if, if Faber's at that level where he's just going to fall off that cliff. I do think that's a pretty tall task for him. I don't hate the Dodson idea. Um, I'm looking at a guy like, Maybe Ricky Simone as somebody that they could they could have him fight. Uh, somebody in that like where he's he's not quite top ten, but they they feel like because of that asterisk, they can give him a step up or or maybe not really a step up in competition, but still a name comparable to Marlon Vera.
1: Mike, I've I've got a I've got an idea. Call me crazy here. But what if what if instead of matching him up against a bottom 15 guy, what if we just what if we just pretended he didn't lose? And let's just keep moving up. the Let's let's Jose Aldo him. OK, I know he lost officially, but no one likes that loss. So we'll forget it and we'll just move him up the ranks. Cody Garbrandt's busy right now, so I guess we can't do that. What about Jimmy Rivera? Let's just say in for a penny in for 17 pounds and give him Jimmy Rivera.
0: I would say give him Dvalishvili because if he beats no, Dvalishvili,
1: really he'll beat him. That's exactly.
0: If Dvalishvili, if Dvalishvili beats him, people are like, "Damn, he beat he beat Sean O'Malley. He didn't have to use like laser eyes or or some whoopee cushion or whatever gimmick to, See, to beat no, him." And if no, Sean he'd O'Malley him. Him. Love
1: a him, he'd hug him for fifteen minutes, and then everyone would hate Dvalishvili and still think O'Malley's great. But As, he can't wrestle. just
0: Break his little ankle, then we're
2: all right. <laughs> I actually think no matter when O'Malley comes back, I would say O'Malley's probably not going to fight till 2021 at this point, maybe like March, April 2021. That's just, and I'm, I might be being friendly with those numbers. But I think unless, unless this guy gets mauled in his next three fights, I think you just do the O'Malley-Brian Kelleher fight. Just good little step. Kelleher's got a little bit of buzz to him. You can put that anywhere on any card. That happens, you know, and we'll see what happens. But what about Marlon Vera? Jed, because I feel that he deserves to be mentioned in this discussion as well. Where does he go after arguably the biggest win of his career on Saturday night?
1: Uh, I think this is the biggest win of his career. If, if for nothing else, it's a co-main event on a marquee pay-per-view. So he got the spotlight. It was trashly. got it. Shouldn't have been there. That should have been JDS. But again, we'll leave that be. Uh, from here, I give that guy a top – top 10 opponent like he's on what is it five six fight win streak um in the division i know he had that uh, kind of setback moving up a little bit but i think you just just treat him like he's a top 10 guy because i think he was pretty obviously a top 15 guy coming into this fight just didn't have the number and he's been on a, a heck of a run let's give him somebody good i think you You still need to build him, um, and it's a little tricky to go winners versus losers. Uh, I said this guy jokingly for O'Malley, but I actually think Jimmy Rivera makes a lot of sense um, as an opponent for him in in that regard just because uh, Rivera had – three losses in a row, but rebounded with a good win. Um, and so Rivera's in that situation where he can't really pick and choose opponents. He's kind of just got to get some ranked wins um, to stack them up to kind of get back in the conversation where, and Vera is now going to be a ranked guy. And so I think I actually really like that fight. If you want to go ahead and do Valashvili versus Vera again, I don't love matching up guys from the same card. It just feels easy. Um, and I don't know that that, gains either man a ton um I, I feel like you can just kind of bifurcate them move them in different directions but up the ladder at the same time so give me Jimmy Rivera I think that's the fight that uh, I I think makes the most sense
2: Sean Marlon Vera versus blank and why I actually don't
0: hate the idea of him facing somebody like Dominic Cruz who has a bigger name even though he hasn't one, you kind of use that name value to build this guy up who very clearly has a chip on his shoulder. He's 27 years old. He's on a very hot streak, even though he's got that one loss, which, you know, we Dana White went went to bat for him. I mean, that was part of the buildup for this was that so many people went to bat for him, not really losing that fight. That's a good one, because in the top 10, like I look at some of the names there and I'm like, man, is is a. Cody Stamen gonna do anything for, for Marlon Vera after considering who he just beat in the spot that he just beat them on in that co-main event underneath the GOAT heavyweight fight. I, I think that this is a situation where and, and I I just think that name value and a win coming off of that would be more important than him actually getting a win against somebody with, with recent wins.
2: Jed, what do you think? AK a- 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 suggested marlon vera versus jimmy rivera but he said if it doesn't get jimmy rivera yeah it's awesome but but he said if it's not jimmy rivera he said he likes the idea of marlon vera versus jose aldo uh
1: i mean i love jose aldo like my unborn child uh (laughs) i i have a great great love for him uh, I would watch that fight and think it's fair and interesting, but I think I'm the only person who does. Like, th- that's the issue with Dominic Cruz here too. Like, sure, I love Chito Vera. I think he's a really fun, really good fighter. Are is Jose Aldo and Dominic Cruz? Are they going to take fights with Marlon Vera? Like, he's a guy who just got ranked and is a tough fight like that is such a low value fight for them instead aldo and cruz probably should fight each other yes then you can do the backstory build of bantam like former bantamweight champion versus featherweight champion like you do that um you know, Cruz, Frankie Edgar, who we're going to talk about in a second. I think that makes sense. Like it, it's a tough needle to thread for Vera because he's just breaking into the rankings. And so honestly, it would make more sense for him to be like a top 15 guy, than top five, top seven. But finding the guy who wants to take that fight with him is, is going to be difficult. Uh, I could say a Sun Tso is, I think he's in a similar position to Rivera where you know, he's going to take kind of any ranked fighter they give him because he needs to get wins. But that's, that's another fight. That's like, that's the inverse for more Vera, actually a really difficult opponent who doesn't give him a ton of stock at large. It gives him like fighter stock. Like, yeah, I feel the Sun Sal, That boy can scrap. You beat him. That's a win. That's, that's a tough public sell. I think Jimmy Rivera threads that needle really well. That's why I think he's a fight to make.
2: And it's hard to look good against Rafael Asunso, too. I mean, no yeah, one has done difficult.
1: it other than Cody Garbrandt. It's the only person who's ever looked good against him.
2: Well, it was a big win for Cheeto Vera. He's actually going to be back on what the heck this week. I'm looking forward to that conversation. Obviously, wish a speedy recovery to Sean O'Malley. But as far as this particular matchup goes, the point goes to the champ, Jed Mishu. We head to the final question of regulation. For the second time in three weeks, gentlemen, I know you guys are so excited to talk about this. (laughs) Bellator and the UFC are gonna have a weekend head-to-head. Bellator 244 goes down Friday night at Mohegan Sun in beautiful Uncasville, Connecticut, inside the the fight sphere. And they have some pretty good momentum going after their last event. They got a a big boost from Valerie Lareda, michael chandler has become one of the most talked about fighters in the sport after his knockout win i mean it's more of a chandler story than a bellator story but he is tied to the organization so that event was a big success in my opinion but bellator 244 is going to be headlined by ryan bader defending his light heavyweight title against vadim nemkov and the ufc is back on saturday night at the apex which will be headlined by a bantamweight fight between pedro munoz and the former lightweight champion Frankie Edgar, who makes the drop finally to hundred and thirty five pounds. I feel like this fight's been booked eighteen times already, but Jed, we're gonna begin with you here. Who has the better headliner? Or maybe I'll add the more intriguing headliner this weekend, the UFC or Bellator?
1: Oh, so we're only talking headliners? Oh good. I went like deep into these cards to We're gonna go deeper into
2: the, to the cards to too, but try just and just figure at the top of the marquee bad. right
1: now top of the marquee uh i'm coming i'm coming with the hotness give me bellator i look frankie edgar all-time great fighter you want to go talk about all-time fighters frankie edgar's above daniel cormier in my list wherever wherever he lands he's at least one spot above dc um, you know dropping a weight, gonna be fun and interesting there are I am most interested not in that fight per se than in Edgar at Bantamweight because that's probably been his true division this whole time despite winning a title two weight classes up. But give me Bellator. Maybe it's a homer pick, but I, I like Sean said earlier, I'm sad that we never got Ryan Bader versus Daniel Cormier. We should have had that. But I think Ryan Bader is one of the top five light heavyweights in the world at this point. Uh, and then his opponent is – Awesome, potentially like Vadim Nemkov. One, you've got a great backstory. Bader knocked out Fedor, the goat Fedor. Don't be mistaken, Sean, the goat Fedor. <laughs> um, and Nemkov is, is a disciple of Fedor. Like he's this undefeated, or not undefeated, because he he definitely has a loss there. Um, maybe two. Uh, But in Ryzen, he lost in Ryzen. But other than that, I mean, he's really coming to his own. He's undefeated in Bellator. He's got the Combat Sambo background, which at this point should just make everybody's ears kind of perk up. If you're a Combat Sambo world champion, the list of Combat Sambo world champions in MMA uh, is pretty great for what they've done. So you get kind of the new breed of who this guy can be against... Uh, maybe getting older Ryan Bader is still top of the food chain in Bellator and one of the best in the world. And you get that great backstory. Like I know it's Bellator. So almost by default, it matters less than whatever the UFC is doing, but pound for pound, I am more interested in that headliner than I am the UFC fight night this weekend.
2: What do you think, Sean, which, which, uh, main event sticks out to you more?
0: Oh, by far Bader Nimkov, the whole card stands out more to me. Bader, again, not just one of the best in the world, one of the best in the world at two divisions, uh, beat your boy, Fedor, your boy, and taking on Nimkov, who...
1: Your boy is Eric Anders. Sorry. Don't don't be mistaken.
0: And, like, the the run Nimkov immediately went on, like, just reeling off wins and wins. McGeary, Davis, Carvalho. It's like, there was no way he wasn't getting a title shot after that. I'll take that over Edgar Munoz any day at at this stage. I should say at this stage, not any day. If this were like 2015, 2016, maybe 2017, I wouldn't have. But Pedro Munoz just lost. I know it was a high-level loss. Actually, he didn't just lose. He's been out for a year. Edgar is on the wrong side of his career. I think he's lost, like, what, three in a row? No offense. I don't ever want to see somebody who's lost three in a row fight unless it's like they're coming in a main event, unless they're like coming out of retirement. It's there's some big pomp and circumstance. I look at this and Nimkov is four and oh and Bellator. He left rising on, on a nice run and Bader is just somebody that I look forward to, to watching fight. And that is not a sentence that I ever expected myself to say a few years ago, man, I'm really looking forward to this Ryan Bader fight is not things that we used to say. And he he's incredible. And he always, he's, he's he's taking on everybody that comes his way. Anybody that Bellator can throw at him, big name, not so big name, heavyweight, light heavyweight, whatever, because he was that guy that got passed over so many times. He was that guy. Oh, well, his name's not big enough. Oh, well, he had some losses early on. He doesn't care. He fights them and he beats them or, you know, they poke each other in the eye. Some of course
1: of he's taking on whoever they throw at him. They have like seven people to throw at him. So he just is forced to fight anyone who weighs more than 200 pounds. Also, yeah. <laughs> just to be super clear, going all the way back to question one, Ryan Bader beats Stipe too. Just, just going to throw that I'm, in there for you. I'm
0: not opposed to that notion. I don't I don't doubt that, that Ryan Bader could beat Stipe. I would love to see that fight.
2: All right, well, let's dive into something that Sean just said a little bit more. Sean, it seems to me that if you had the choice to watch either of these two events, and you can only watch one, that you're picking Bellator. Why? Yeah, I mean,
0: Julia (laughs) Budd was very important to Bellator, probably still is to some degree. I mean, she was, for, for what they had as a featherweight division, she was a good champion. But I look up and down that card, even on the prelims, I'm more interested in a lot of the prelims than than some of the stuff on UFC's main card, like Amosov, That is a curious booking there after he beat Rickle, Silva and Gerald Harris back to back to back. And, and Ed Ruth, love God, I forgot Ed Ruth. Like those were the first four fights that they had for him. And they're like, ah, well, we're going to throw you up against this guy. Well, okay. That, that didn't make a lot of sense to me. Um,
1: you don't know Mark Leninger.
0: I'm afraid I don't, but Shane Crutchton is a great story that guy if he could reel off a couple of wins would just be a great story for them to have on there but Eric Perez of course I'm familiar with him interested to see what he does uh Roy Nelson I don't ever want to watch him fight again like I don't that that almost single-handedly makes me more interested in the UFC card (laughs) just the fact that Roy Nelson is booked but uh, John Salter is on a hell of a run like there's some good fights, or at least good fighters, on this show. Uh, yeah, I'm way more interested in
2: Bellator. Jed, what are, what are you more interested in as a whole here? UFC um, or Bellator?
1: Like by now you should know what I like. Um, but even if outside of my particular, you know, proclivities here, the UFC card is just trash, man. Yeah. <laughs> like I don't I don't want to disrespect. Fight. I I don't care actually if I disrespect fighters at all. Like There are more – there are equally as many people without Wikipedia pages in the UFC card as have them. Like that's some real Bellator booking right there. And this card is two fights. Like it is the main event and the co-main event. And then there's like one half – a couple of other spots that are good. Bellator is not bringing the thunder here, but to go completely against what Sean said, because he's ridiculously wrong, uh, Roy Nelson versus Valentin Moldovsky. Come on. Who doesn't want to watch that barnyard explosion? Like, sure. moldovsky's is like actually a good heavyweight, but incredibly boring and goes to decisions a lot, but he's fighting Roy Nelson, who's really fat and very durable. So this is going to be 15 minutes and they're going to be gassed really quick it's gonna be awful and great. And so of course we want to watch that. Julia Bud fighting a person, um, I guess is fine. Uh again, Sean just absolutely stealing my shine on the Yaroslav Asimov uh, tip there. But like that kid is actually probably really good at fighting. Yeah. So we should watch that. Eric Perez, Adam Piccolotti, like just even though they're both pretty similar in that. One side of each card, of each fight on the card, is maybe less interesting. Uh, the Bellator ones have more fighters that I'm interested in. And just because you don't know who Mark Liminger is, he's 11 and one. So maybe he doesn't suck. Let's find out.
0: The only barnyard explosion Roy Nelson has been a part of is when he takes a dump in a barn with plumbing. His fights suck, they're terrible. I hate watching him fight.
1: Look, just because he's lost four in a row and, like, seven out of his last ten doesn't mean Roy Nelson's bad. It's
0: so bad. He's going to throw so
1: the right plus, hand. Bolos, plus, Mike. He's throwing bolos.
0: It's all right. He's fighting out of Uncasville. Or are they there? They're there. They're there. He's going to lose. I forgot. That's where they're Uncusville doing the show. Is at. the
1: home of Bellator. <laughs> yeah.
2: Yes, it's the fight sphere capital of the
1: world. And They're he's lost their every fight safe.
0: there. He's lost every fight he's had there, all four of them.
2: <laughs> uh, it's just so fun. By the way, Sean, I hate to break your heart, but I have I have been told, and I haven't been able to completely confirm this, that Shane Crutchett is not going to be fighting on Friday night. Oh, what a bummer. Hurt. And then I, I heard that they were going to find a, a replacement for his opponent, and then the opponent got hurt, so now nobody's fighting in what that particular fun. matchup so I,
1: I have an important bellator question would you guys rather go to uncasville to cover a fight or would you rather go to thackerville
0: oh uh, thackerville for so, sure
1: oh you think so is that Weather's just because better. like right next to the uh tiger king zoo or whatever or yes do you have other reasons for going to thackerville
0: well i mean it, yeah it, but also it's right next <laughs> to texas right it's it's right next to Texas, so you can just get the hell out of Oklahoma. That'd be nice. But oh man, Uncasville,
1: what's that near? It's who can say? Who can say any of these things? It's like, I don't
2: know. It's near like Hartford, and I mean, I've been there many times covering events. It's a drive. It's an easy drive for me. I'm Have like you've an You've been to Thackerville? I've never been to Thackerville.
1: We got to get you to Thackerville then. <laughs> I need to. break. Maybe they got to get
2: set up the fight sphere in Thackerville, I and mean, then maybe we'll be. Uh, maybe maybe we can talk.
1: Where do oh, people fly something. into for
0: Uncasville?
1: Is That's there an Uncasville
2: airport? Probably Bradley. Oh, man. Which is uh, right outside of Hartford. So probably.
1: Sounds like a hopping people, spot.
2: Yeah, it's like yeah. A, right in between Hartford, Connecticut and Springfield, Massachusetts. It's just the the heart everyone, of the U.S.
0: Everyone grabs a bite at the Waffle House. The the one Waffle House in town. Sean, Sean, show. Sean I,
1: I mean this very seriously. I have no idea where you are. But if you ever talk bad about Waffle House, I will come fight you. <laughs> Waffle we House is we amazing. Even,
0: we don't even have a Waffle House. We have Huddle House.
1: Of course you don't have a Waffle House. You're obviously a lowbrow cretin.
2: Wow. This
0: is Huddle don't, House.
1: Don't, don't disrespect Waho. Waffle House, well, is like I
2: mean great drunk food. And I love the fact that you can make those delicious hash browns and just put anything you want on them. Yeah, Dig that.
1: Yeah, Waffle House is America, is what. Yeah, I love that
2: that piece of
1: not craft American
0: cheese that they toss over my hash browns and lightly melt.
1: Oh, I didn't know you wanted gourmet cheese on your hash browns at three (laughs) in the (laughs) morning. Sorry, Mister Fancy.
2: Wow, we have gone down many roads here on this episode and if uh, you want to advocate dollar
0: general cheese that's okay i expect it after you just advocated roy nelson fighting
1: that i yeah roy nelson is the dollar general cheese of mma it's a really good point
0: it's more plastic than it is cheese
2: like
1: it's not good for you but it's tasty and you enjoy it
2: (laughs) i love how this this conversation has continued on and
1: we went, all we went
2: places. We we're, yeah. were going a lot of places tonight. And because of that, the point is going to go to Sean Ross App because I want to hear more. And I think you won the round anyways, if we are being honest. But that means my favorite part of this program we head to the knockout round. One question decides it all. Neither of these fine gentlemen have any idea what the question is, but each of them will have 60 seconds to give their answer. After they both give their thoughts, we will then head to the truck to E. Casey Lydon, who will decide who leaves the virtual cage with the coveted Between the Links heavyweight championship of the world. And Jed, since you are the champion, the choice is yours. Would you like to answer this question first, or are you kicking off to Sean Ross Sapp?
1: I'll be a gentleman, and I'm going to let Sean go first.
2: All right. Sean, we have not discussed this. I don't think we've discussed this at all throughout any of the episodes on the program, but we're going to do it now because tonight as this drops, for all you fine people watching, we are going to see week three of Dana White's Contender Series 2020. And I understand the Contender Series is not everybody's cup of tea, but I love the Contender Series. It's something I look forward to every year. But with any concept, Sean, there is always room to improve said concept. So my question is, what can Dana White, the UFC, those involved with the Contender Series do to make this concept even better, even more successful than it is right now? Because we've seen the Ultimate Fighter over the years. First few seasons, we we're like, yeah, this is great. But as it kept going on, started to lose some cachet, so to speak. It's kind of like the Roy Nelson of of reality television programs and fighting. But 60 seconds on the clock. What can we do to make the Contender Series better? Your time starts now. Sean Rossap. go. I
0: would like to see the UFC do some more of those like retribution seasons of Ultimate Fighter. Quite frankly, I liked seasons like that a little bit more than ones where they brought on unknowns. Bring some guys back that are familiar. Bring some guys back in that manner. Gerald Harris has been b- begging for a fight. He can't win outside the UFC these days. Put him on contender series. Maybe he gets a big win. Maybe he pile drives somebody through the mat or hits a rolling senton power bomb or something because that's what he does. That's the way I would spice it up a little bit. Not just... Uh, use names that are virtual unknowns. They they've done it here and there, but use some names that are familiar to UFC fans that can then prop up some of these unknowns. Get some eyes on some of these guys that have outstanding performances and knockouts. That way, whenever they tune into a UFC show and see a Dana White Contender Series product, they can be like, Oh yeah, I remember him from when I watched uh, Gerald Harris hit a, a corkscrew
2: 720 b- body slam on somebody that I'd like to see. All right. Jed, same question for you. I don't know if you're a contender series guy or not, but if so, and if not, you, here's your opportunity to make it better, Jed. Chance to make the MMA world a better place in 60 seconds. Your time starts now.
1: So I'm sad I didn't choose to go first because usually you want to take that time to develop your answer, but I knew as soon as you asked what to say, and Sean, thankfully, just chose not to take the obvious choice. <laughs> It's a one-night tournament. You make it a one-night tournament, that's it. It's a throwback to the old days. Uh, You add two more fights, so it's seven fights total, but it's a four, then a two, then a one. Whoever wins the tournament, UFC contract, cut, drive, we're done here. It's awesome, it actually builds the fighters better because you get a whole narrative, not just their win and some backstory. And it circumvents the issue of fighters getting injured and pulling out because they're fighting for a contract part of that just comes part and parcel with it so four fights the loser of those four fights get ranked in an order of who will come in as the the uh fallback guy if someone gets injured and you just kind of keep Five moving seconds. off the chain right there easy does it one night tournament bring it back baby
0: all right v tour tour situation happens
1: then you're crying
3: saying
0: it doesn't count
2: what a show this has been, and it's unfortunate we're going to have to call an end to this bad boy. But before we do, we got to go to the truck, to the judge, his honorable, E. Casey Lydon, to render the final decision. The man like Bill Alfonso calls it right down the middle, baby. Bad.
3: Oh, got? man. Well, first of all, this was the longest show we've ever had. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Sorry, Casey.
3: Man. I, I, I got to say, I got up a couple times to get some coffee. I came back. You were still talking about Waffle House. <laughs> I, I admire that, I guess. Um,
1: I don't regret it.
3: No regrets. No regrets. Oh, boy. This is a tough one. This is a tough one. Oh, okay, we got the, oh man. The, uh. All right.
0: Got my scorecard. Battlegrounds MMA turnout.
3: <laughs> You're a winner. And new. No! John Rossap. Wow. It was I tough. It was do. tough. I, I I think when you brought when you brought I, I I gotta go back to waffle. It was really the Waffle House discussion, and I love Waffle House, but you brought I the. the but what you brought you you. You, and you know what? You, you, you can, I can't deny you the past. I can't. Round four. I can't deny the past. I'm not. I'm just saying. Like things carry over. I'm just saying.
1: You can not score round four. <laughs> I've been cheated. <laughs> this is nonsense. Obviously, a one night tournament is superior.
2: I thought, I thought when you gave your answer with the one-night tournament, I thought that I was going to pull and tug on all of Casey Lydon's heartstrings. I know. Right? You know, and but
3: I hate, one, I hate one- cool. one-night tournaments in the United States because they do that whole two-round thing because you can only fight five rounds in one night. If you would have said overseas, just no commission, maybe that kind of rule, but I hate the two-round type of fights, and that's what they always do of one-night tournaments in the, in the States. So, uh, and oh, I'm just tired mom. of seeing people I don't, I don't know. It's, ugh. I do, I feel. Can, I feel. Can, Rob, can, but Sean. Can everyone win? Well battled. Well battled. All right, Sean. Se'll <laughs> get a, a, a belt. Marlin
1: Barrel win. Just say it's a real <laughs> Marlin Barrel <laughs> win.
3: It is not a clean win. I agree. <laughs> no, I chopped away at your ankle. I chopped away at your ankle,
0: and then, then in the last round, I elbowed you mercilessly in the face as you picked as you picked Mortal Kombat Light. As your option,
1: you you <laughs> <laughs> elbowed me in the fourth round, and Casey just still scored it in the fifth.
3: <laughs> it was that it was that significant. I'm sorry. <laughs> All right, John,
2: you don't get a belt or the loser's money, but you get 30 seconds to talk about whatever it is you want to talk about—good, bad, and different—in the sport of mixed martial arts. The floor is yours. Stop giving championship fights to people off of losses.
0: I want winners to fight. When I fall out of love with MMA, it's because I want to watch winners fight. And far too often, I got to watch somebody fighting somebody else coming off of a loss. I'm over
2: it. I'm over it. I want to watch winners fight, man. Well said. Jed, you've been a longtime champion. I'm sure this will not be the last time we see you on this show. We might have to do an immediate rematch once we hear back from the people here, but, uh, your thoughts on your title reign coming to a close and what happened here today?
1: You know, no champions ever ready to walk away at the top of their game. Um, I won't lie. I didn't come in here prepared to face Sean. So I think that may have adversely affected me. Uh, I was not informed of the cowardice of Jose Young's until moments before air. Um, and, you know, you're, you just spend your whole week training for, for one guy. And then that last minute switch can be difficult. So, Uh, no credit, uh, taking no credit away from Sean. He's, he's the rifle champion. Uh, just saying I'm taking all the credit away from him. This is bogus. And I was, I was run up the river and you'll be hearing about it in the slack.
0: Banana peel wins. I'll take them every day.
2: (laughs) What an episode. This was. you're not
0: giving me a championship belt, but I am physically having one made for
2: this. Well, there's not much more to say. We've literally covered everything we could possibly cover here today, including the difference between Waffle House and was it Huddle House? Yes, 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 <coughs> We also had
3: some good apples and oranges talk too. Don't forget that.
2: Yes, oranges are more delicious than apples. Yes. Let us know what you think in the comments. Wait, what, These what, are what? the types of things we debate here on Between the Links right here at mm-hmm. mafighting.com. <laughs> Thanks for watching. We'll be back next week to do it again. Big shout-out to Casey Lydon in the truck making the decisions. Big shout-out to Esther Lynn on the graphics in the introduction as my 7-year-old who turned Colby Covington baby face decides to walk by the shot. And then a big thank you to Sean Ross Sapp and Jed Michoud for joining us. And we'll see you back here once again right here on Between the Links on MMAFunning.com. Next week, I am Mike Heck. See you later.
0: This has been Between the Links with your host, Mike Heck. Brought to you by MMA Fighting, a production of Vox Media.
1: You're listening to the Vox Media Podcast Network.